Thank you for downloading the Focus on the Family Parenting Podcast. You can find more helpful advice at focusonthefamily.com slash parenting podcast. We often associate uh, teenage drama with girls, but I've had three boys and three girls, and I've got to say, I remember the time when one of my boys looked at me and just, he was crying. He's 14, and he is just crying his eyes out. And he said, I don't know why I'm crying. It's like, dude, you're a teenager. It's okay. We'll get through this. It happens to everybody, boys and girls. I'm John Fuller, along with Danny Huerta, and watching our kids uh, go through the stages, especially when the emotions are flooded by all the hormones, that can be pretty strange, can't it, Danny? It's strange. It's exciting. It's at times confusing. Uh, because you're expecting something and something else is happening around you. And all of a sudden you have uh, a child that can use sarcasm pretty well, and then you have a hairy person. <laughs> you look down and you go, well, that's a hairy leg. That's my son. And then, uh, and then a low voice. Yeah. And when you call home, you go, hey, what man is in my house? Yeah. Oh, that's my son. Yeah. And, then, uh, and then really – uh, I've noticed that my son is taller than me now, and that's a, a weird feeling. You've noticed that, huh? I've, I've noticed I'm sure that. he reminds you of this somewhat frequently. Yeah, and he tries to, to wrestle me down now, and it is so much fun. To, this new stage is a lot of fun, but really it comes with a lot of intentional parenting as well. Yeah. Because you have to enter intentional conversations in the, in the car or in places you didn't expect, and you need to grab energy at times at night, late at night, when something emotional has stirred up whether it be your son or daughter, both have uh, all kinds of emotions going on, and some boys may not admit it. This is a great time for parenting. This is where you bring the ninja-level parenting. Uh, I like it. That's a a good way to put it. And one of the best uh, broadcast guests we've had, uh, especially talking to girls about these changes, is Jesse Manassian. Let's go ahead and listen as Jesse and Jim Daly and I got to talk about teen girls learning to love their families well. You, in fact, use Proverbs 12 as a a funny but guiding way to provide wisdom, particularly for teen girls, but you call it the uh, foolish girl and the wise girl. So what in Proverbs 12 caught your attention in that regard? And then you created a table, actually, that we'll post online and people can see this, but foolish girl and wise girl, Proverbs 12. And we will add to that. It's not just foolish girls; it's foolish parents and wise parents. Oh, we don't as well. want to. Add, no, no, we, we don't <laughs> want to post that one. Okay, for all the teens <laughs> listening, we'll post the this foolish parents one. Two ways. <laughs> this is the rubric. For I kind which of avoided that. Didn't I? <laughs> um, right. So, I mean, all throughout Proverbs twelve, we have really wise counsel for how to do communication well. And the foolish girl hates being told when she's wrong. She gets trapped by a rebellious attitude, insists my way is right. And how often as parents do we insist that our ways are right? Uh, Pretty much every day. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Maybe maybe I should think about this because my (laughs) my kids are going to listen to this broadcast. And they're going to be like, see, mom, I told you your way is not always right. Um, She gets irritated easily and lets everyone know when she's mad. Um, She twists or exaggerates the truth. Um, uses careless, mean words, plans ways to hurt others, and, and creates drama. And, and the antithesis of that is someone who becomes wiser by the correction of others. And, I mean, it's really easy for us to say, oh, our teens should become wiser for our correction. But are we paying attention to the way that our kids are pointing out where we need to grow, even if it's not in the most respectful way? Can Mm. we find that kernel of truth? Um, A wise girl or parent gets out of trouble with an honorable, cooperative attitude, listens and learns from others, lets insults slide and doesn't take others' disagreements personally, Mm. 
always tells the truth in loving ways, uh, uses words to bless and heal others, and finds joy in spreading peace. And that's what I want to be said of my life and the way that I communicate with my family um, rather than how many things mom threw. (laughs) No, that, yeah, the thrower. You know, that one that catches me that I would think um, people struggle with, but I think for the way God has created a woman, uh, they struggle, you struggle with this. I want you to confirm this or deny it, but let's insult slide and doesn't take others' disagreement personally. That's got to be a tough one. It's really hard for men and women, I think. But yeah, I mean, to not take it personally, especially for moms, I think we, and without Christ's intervention, so easily let our mothering become our identity. And so if anyone has anything critical to say, whether it be our husband or our children about our parenting style or what we're doing, it's very hard to disentangle that from our core. Husbands are saying amen. <laughs> I can hear it right now. <laughs> okay. I'm going to get so much criticism from this, but folks, this is where the, you know, life is real, right? You also, uh, in your book, talk about that, that conflict journey. And as I was alluding to a few minutes ago, you have those eight, nine, ten-year-old years with your kids, and they're just so kind to you because you can do no wrong. And you're mommy and daddy, and I love you, mommy and daddy. <laughs> and you're going, this is awesome. And then 11, 12, 13, and you start to feel that conflict. Um, talk about that dynamic, that change at that moment, because that's probably where most of us as parents begin to blow it. We Mm. begin to fail Mm. because it's been relatively smooth and it's been good. And we've done devotions together as a family. They have done the things we've wanted them to do when we generally ask them to do it. And now it's 13, 14. It's a little more rebellion we might be seeing. Uh, They're not wanting to read together. They're not wanting to study the word together. Maybe they have excuses. Maybe even, you know, church is boring Mom and Dad, come on! Do we can we do home church? <laughs> I mean, church is boring. All those things that start to yeah. happen. How do we recognize that pattern, and, and what do we do to, I guess, keep them engaged? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow, I have so many thoughts on that. <laughs> yeah. The first one being, I mean, uh, uh, someone had told me early on. I'm so grateful for this analogy that our goal as we're parenting, you know, at first we're kind of leading. We're up ahead. We're kind of showing them the way to go. And then as they enter kind of those tween years, they're coming up alongside us, and we're kind of walking this thing together. And then as the teen years come, we're actually kind of taking a step behind and kind of pushing them out in front of us and saying, "All right, you know the way. Now walk in it." And that's a good thing. And that's to do. a good and healthy thing. But as parents, we're having a really hard time with that. And I think part of it, I think part of it is the society that we've created. We think that kids are adults at 18 because they're technically adults. And so we think that we have to parent intensively until they're 18. And then all of a sudden they'll magically become adults and know how to do everything. I think we need to remember, I mean, a hundred years ago, kids were pretty much adults at 13. You know, they were already going to work. It was, they were done with school um, and they're capable of that. And so I think we're seeing this pushback from teens of wanting more independence because they should have more independence. They should be making more decisions. And moms, we are so guilty of helicopter copter parenting and lawnmower parenting, trying to clear the way in front of them. And, um, and we need to let them fail, let them try and fail, let them make some of those choices and then take it with a grain of salt. Jim, I know you've said, take the long view of parenting and I couldn't agree more. I mean, for me, I have lowered my standard of what I expect for my teens as they enter those years, um, from perfection 
down to, I just want them to know that they're loved and I want them to know where to find Jesus and to take a step back and realize they're God's kids and they're going to have to make those decisions on whether to attend church or they're going to have to make the decisions on what they're going to eat or where they're going to spend their money and who they're going to hang out with. And I'm not saying we shouldn't be involved as parents at all, but I think the pendulum has needs to swing more back to the middle and find that balance of letting them be adults before they leave our home. Yeah, that last bit of advice from Jesse is priceless. You have got to learn to let go and uh, launch your child well, and you got to do it long before they're 18. It isn't easy, but it can be done. It's really important for their development, and it probably means you're going to worry a little bit less because you've practiced while they're still in the home. Danny, how ultimately do you find that balance between... Um, parenting and helping kids solve problems and then learning them to grab onto the things that they have to manage well to be an adult. It's it's a tricky balance. It really is. And there's some personalities that have an easier time with this as parents. Some parents are, hey, you know what? Hey, you're going to become an adult and I, I can let go of those emotions. And and uh, they, they are pushing their child towards adulthood. And there's some others that feel a sense of anxiety that my child's growing up. There's what does that mean about me? And there's a lot of emotions being stirred up inside of them. Uh, this is really about in, an introduction into adulthood. And I know the word launch is used a lot. I would say it's, it's introducing them. This is a wonderful thing that they get to be a part of. And it requires learning a lot in those few years of, of high school and, and later teen years. And if we can look at our role as a coach and guide, it means that there are going to be multiple failures along the way, and there are going to be multiple times where you uh, have to maybe process the fact that something didn't go well or didn't go right and allowing them to do that in a very imperfect way. This is a time where parents have to deal with their own anxieties. It's more about ourselves than about the child not being prepared for adulthood. I mean, look at look at Josiah, look at David, look at guys in Scripture. They were brought into adulthood a lot earlier than than kids are brought into adulthood now. Kids adapt well, and it depends on what we're expecting them to do. What what are we training them to do? And uh, expecting a, a child to be an adult right away that's perfect is unreasonable. But expecting a child to learn about decision-making and, and considering all the different decisions, that is about adulthood training. Okay, so of all the families that you've counseled, the kids and the families— what percentage would you say come to you because the kid is not allowed to launch? They're, the parents are overdoing everything. There are several families that, that actually have a hard time with a child that has not done the teenage years well that are coming in. Maybe it's a child with ADHD. Maybe it's a child that just has been uh, overall a little more immature. In some cases, the parents have babied the child and not expected higher because of past history. And it, it do does take a lot that? more energy. It, it, it's, a, it's a hard one because, um, yeah, there are some kids that aren't, aren't going to make it with the tools they have. And it's good to surround some of the teens with other mentors and other people that can speak into their life. Maybe it's a church or at school with teachers and being intentional about that early in the, in the high school years because they're going to need to know and learn those skills as they get older. As a family, sit down, maybe as a couple, sit down and write down what are the, the tools that my child needs to have by the time they're 18, 19, 20, 21, so that they can do life well on their own? 
and then make some goals around that yeah. as, as a couple. I think it's really important, too, to um, think through what's the battle. I mean, seriously, if they want to do X, Y, or Z slightly different than I think is best, what's the worst that happens, right? I mean, one of my kids said, I like to microwave hamburgers. And it's like, seriously, that sounds horrible. And I wouldn't eat a microwaved hamburger to save my life. Well, I might to save my life. But I just looked at, at this child and thought, okay, I mean, seriously, he'll he'll cook it, he'll eat it, that's fine. It's not what I would do, but it's okay. And as an adult, if he microwaves hamburgers for the rest of his life, that's fine, right? It's not, <laughs> a, big, right. It's not a big battle, but if they're going to make some risky decision, then maybe we have to intervene. You know, I love the scripture, Psalm 54, verse 4. It says, Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is the upholder of my life. If, mm-hmm. if a child can learn that as they're becoming an adult— that there's much more than me being comfortable. This is about me growing into the masterpiece that God has created me to be. Mm. That is that talks about in Ephesians two ten that, that Paul shares with us. I really do think that as we participate in that and process that with our kids, we can learn and we can discuss as parents with our kids what life skills are necessary to do adulthood well. I think the foundation spiritually is key as they're becoming adults. Mm. Yeah, pray, pray. Pray, pray with your kids, pray for your kids, pray without ceasing, to quote the Apostle Paul. Well, if you're looking for more help in this area, please visit our website or give us a call. And uh, we've got the contact info in the description. We also have Jesse Manassian's book, Family, How to Love Yours and Help Them Like You Back. And we'll send you a copy of that when you make a donation of any amount to support the work here of Focus on the Family. By the way, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes if you haven't done so already or wherever you listen. Next time, we'll be talking about encouragement. And until then, I'm John Fuller. On behalf of Danny and the team, thanks for listening to the Focus on the Family Parenting Podcast.